periodically I'll go through times where I feel deeply dissatisfied with, with my spiritual life and my Christian life. And, and there's a lot of reasons for it. Sometimes it's because there's a, a new level of growth the Lord is trying to, to lead me on. And sometimes there's other issues. But most commonly, I, I realize in this time that the reason I'm dissatisfied is because I've let my relationship with Jesus slip. Right? Not, not that I've you know abandoned the faith or anything like that. I, I just am not spending the time with Him uh, that I ought to. Now, it's interesting because, of course, as a pastor, I'm, I'm in the Word almost every day, even if I'm not studying for myself. I have to preach two times a week, so I have to study for two sermons, I, obviously at church. Um, and I pray, at least at church, where you can see. So what, what I've realized is, if, if I'm not careful, what I can do is I can get so busy in all of the, the stuff of pastoring, like preparing a sermon, praying in service, getting things ready, that I'm not doing those things on my own. I'm not doing them for my personal relationship with Jesus. And and it's really easy to do. I mean, and that's part of the part what bothers me about it is how easy it is for me to do it. And, and I would like to sound overly spiritual and say, well, it only happens because I'm so busy studying. I'm so busy pastoring. But if honesty, if I'm going to be honest, honesty would compel me to say sometimes it happened because when my alarm goes off in the morning, I think I would really like to sleep in. And, and so I hit snooze, and I hit snooze, and then I reset my alarm, and then by the time I get up, it's too late to, to start my day in the way I like to start it. Or in the evenings when I typically do my daily Bible reading, it, it would be, again, nice to say, well, I just, you know, I was too busy studying, didn't get around to it, instead of say, well, I was watching Criminal Minds on Hulu, and I thought a couple more episodes will be okay. And I end up spending more time watching TV uh, than going in there and reading my Bible for myself. But the reality is, there are times where I just get too busy in life, and then there are times where I just make choices that are not conducive toward a, a thriving relationship with Jesus. And, and really the problem with this is sleeping in one morning and then staying up late one night to watch TV often leads to sleeping in another morning and staying up late another night to watch TV, and it becomes this repeated cycle, and before I know it, it it's been days since I've read the Bible for myself and not trying to prepare a sermon since I've spent time just praying, not for church, not for the service, not for the message, but just praying for my own soul. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm not the only one who knows what that's like. That I'm not the only one who periodically gets distracted in life and lets my time with Jesus begin to slip away. Now, what gets in your path of your life may not be TV. It may not be sleeping in. In the morning, uh, it could be activities with your kids. Uh, Lord knows, kids in high school, especially junior high and high school, they have games and activities all the time, and so it's easy to let all of those things come up. And then, before you know it, a couple of weeks have gone by, and all you've done is watch games, and you haven't had time to do it. Uh, work can come into our lives, work extra shifts, things going on. Uh, and the, what's part is typically the things that that keep us from our time with Jesus. Aren't, aren't bad things, right? I mean, I, I believe, and I feel fairly confident in saying, those who are deeply devoted disciples of Jesus, they probably aren't going to let sin destroy their relationship with Jesus. Now, that's not to say that deeply devoted disciples of Jesus don't sin. We, we do. And that's not to say sin isn't destructive to our relationship with Jesus. It, it absolutely is. What I'm saying is a deeply devoted disciple of Jesus will sin, but a deeply devoted disciple of Jesus feels the guilt, the, the conviction from the Holy Spirit over their sin 
They repent of their sin. They confess their sin. And then they move out to try to serve Jesus again. They don't abide in their sin and let it control their lives. But a deeply devoted disciple of Jesus can get caught up in the busyness of life. And life, life is busy. There's always something to do. There's always something going on. One of my jokes with Kelly is to tell her, I've got, I don't have time. I've got stuff to do. That is one of the most common sayings I give because I always have stuff to do. And what we have to do is we have to realize how dangerous this sort of busyness is. It's not dangerous because the stuff we're doing is sinful. It's dangerous because it can draw us away from Jesus. Draw us away from our our time in prayer. Draw us away from our time studying the Bible for ourselves. And and it's not with any of us that we just say, you know, I'm done. I've I've read all the Bible. I'm going to read. I've prayed all the praying. I'm going to pray. I'll I'll still go to church, make an appearance, but I'm not really going to put the effort into it. People who are deeply devoted disciples of Jesus don't do that. What happens is they just get busy. They get busy with the stuff of life. They get busy with things that, that aren't sinful in and of themselves or Probably good things, and in many cases, are probably even necessary things to do. But they begin to distract us. They begin to pull us away, and they begin to keep us from spending the time with Jesus that we need to spend. And because the things we're doing aren't sinful, and because they may be needful, because they are usually good things, we don't see the danger. We don't see how far we're drifting from Jesus, how how much our relationship with Him is not what it once was or not what... It ought to be. So if this is familiar to you, this idea, and you you know what it is to to kind of get away. Not Again, I'm not saying you abandon your faith and you become a, a wild atheist heathen. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you know what it is to get so busy you neglect your time with Jesus. Today's message, I believe, will help. It will give us some practical tips from the life of Jesus about how to, to connect with him, why that is so important. Um, and so open your Bible to Mark 1. I'm going to start reading in verse 35, page 762, if you have a pew Bible. When you find that, I'm going to ask you to stand on the reading of God's Word. Mark 1 and 35. And in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and prayed there for a time. Simon and his companions eagerly searched for him and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let's go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there for this is why I came. And he went to their synagogues preaching throughout Galilee and casting out demons. Title of the message is our relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you. You are great and awesome, worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. Lord, we confess That we do get distracted. I confess. That I have been distracted this week. Didn't even realize it until I was preparing the message. About how little time I had prayed this week. How little time I had just spent reading the Bible and soaking in it. Lord forgive me for that. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to preach. You do this but I'm not going to do it. Forgive me. Help me today, Lord, to speak your word. Help me to speak it the ways you want it spoken. Strengthen us today. I don't don't want this to come across as a condemning message. It certainly isn't meant that way. Let it be something that encourages us. 
Let it be something that that gives us living water for our parched souls. For man, this is a dry and a weary land and there is no water here, Lord. Let your word bring us the joy it's supposed to give. Open our minds to maybe the reality of the kind of relationship we can have with Jesus. Stir in our hearts a desire for that. And let what we talk about this morning either restore that or set us on a path for life-changing, life-giving relationship with Christ, we ask in his name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as we look at this passage in general, as we look at the life of Jesus, this passage specifically, life of Jesus in general, we notice there's a constant in Jesus' life. He constantly spent quality time with God, his Father. Jesus set an example for us to follow. That's what we see in verse 35. He's busy, right? He has been busy. He has healed the crowds. They have stayed at his door until he healed everyone. They went away knowing that morning light would bring more people. He gets up before the daylight. He goes out to a secluded place and he prays for a time. He knew the day would be busy, but he also knew the importance of spending time with his father. He knew spending time with God was the foundation of a genuine relationship with God. And so the central truth I want us to understand today is this. Our relationship with Jesus is only as good as our time with Jesus. And I think this is one of those things we know in the natural. Are the people we're around, we enjoy spending time with, and we are with them, we talk to them, we listen to them, we're there. Those relationships are deeper and stronger than the relationships we have with people that we aren't around, we don't talk to, we don't see. So what's true in the natural is true in the spiritual as well. Our relationship with Jesus is only as good as the time we spend with Jesus. And what I want to do this morning is spend a little bit of time showing us four ways to maximize our time with Jesus to strengthen our relationship with Jesus. The first is prioritize meeting with Jesus. When we read the life of Jesus, we can't help but notice he was a busy guy. Um, Everywhere he went, he did miracles and he taught the multitudes and he invested his life in his disciples. And because of the way he taught, because of the things he did, people always found him and went to where he was. Now, this was true no matter how hard he tried to hide where he was. If he tried to, to go away in the wilderness to get some time away, the crowds followed him and the crowds found him. Whenever people heard Jesus was in a town or an area, they flocked to where he was. Twice, in fact, the Gospel of Mark tells us Jesus and his disciples were so busy that there were times they didn't even have time to eat. Now, that's busy. That's busy when you don't even have time to eat. Yet spending time with God was such a priority to Jesus, he always found a way to do it. In this passage, he gets up early in the morning, well before daylight, and then he goes out to a secluded place, and there he prays. He knew if he waited until the sun came up, the people would be gathered at the door again. He knew if he waited and just said, some point today, I'm going to go and pray and spend time with my Father. He knew the crowds would flock to him, busyness would overtake him, and that time would never come. His quality time alone with God would be lost if he was not intentional about making it a priority in his life. And because... That time alone with God was such a priority to Jesus, he put it first on his schedule. Now, 
I, I don't know how late he stayed up doing the miracles in verse 34. But my guess is it wasn't as early to bed, early to rise as what I might have liked. I'm an early to bed kind of person. I like to go to bed early. Um, but I suspect Jesus did not get to that night. I suspect the crowd stayed till well past dark, well past the time when he would have liked to have gone to bed. And yet he still made a point to get up early before daylight, leave the house and go away to a secluded place. It is, I find, disturbingly easy to excuse not spending this time alone with Jesus. There, there's always a, a myriad of reasons. I, I do it in the morning. Typically, I am a morning riser and goer to do it. But as I mentioned, I can get too tired. I can feel like I'm too tired. Even this morning. My alarm went off this morning. And before I started getting up out of bed, I laid there thinking, what day is it? If it's Sunday, I have to get up. But if it's not, I'm going to sleep in a little bit. Right? It, it's easy to say, well, I'm too tired this morning. Or it, it, it's easy to get too busy. And, and I mean, I, listen, I'm not knocking the fact that you say you're too busy. Busyness is real. We're a busy people. And I don't think it lets up. I think we're just going to be busy till we die. I was talking to somebody once and he said that he kind of calms down maybe when you go on hospice. And I told him, I said, I've been a hospice chaplain. People come see those on hospice every day. Now, I think the only time it slows down, you just die. And then at that point, you, you, the rest comes. Until that point, we're busy. And so we can get too busy to say, well, I'm going to, to do this. Or, I'm too depressed. It, depression. Again, maybe you don't wrestle with discouragement and depression, but, but I can. I, I know what that's like. And I know that I can feel like, what's the point? Why bother? Why dig into it? And, and there's just always something. right? And I think that's the key. It doesn't matter if it's tired or busy, depressed or activities. There's always something. Because the flesh, our sinful nature, is always pushing against the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is saying, go spend time with Jesus Go read the Bible. And our flesh is saying, but this TV show, but this football game, but you need some more rest. But, but, but. So there's always, no matter what we say, there will always be a myriad of reasons as to why we can't. Or at least why we can't right now. Life comes at us fast and any number of things really can come up in a day to keep us from spending the quality time with Jesus we need. This is why we must make our time with Jesus a priority in our day. Now, I, I am a big believer in scheduling my time with Jesus at a particular time each day. Now, again, for me, it's morning. I'm a morning person. I get up, I get my coffee, and I have coffee with Jesus pretty well every morning. That's the way I like to do it. I'm a morning person. But I have to schedule it. Right? If I were to say, tomorrow sometime, I'm going to pray. And then tomorrow sometime, I'm going to read my Bible. I can assure you that sometime will not come. Right? Because there's all kinds of things that are going to come up in my life tomorrow. And there's all going to be all kinds of things that are going to, to keep me and say, not right now, do this. Not right now, do that. Um, but if I say I'm going to get up and first thing in the morning, no matter what, that's what I'm going to do. I'm much more likely to do that. It doesn't have to be in the morning. It can be noon. It can be mid-afternoon. It can be evening. Whatever. The time isn't important. I'll talk about that in a minute. What's important is the priority. At this time, I am going to turn my cell phone off. I'm going to put my iPad up. 
I'm going to get out my Bible. I'm going to get out my prayer journal. And I am going to pray, read my Bible, and spend my time with Jesus. The win doesn't matter as much as the priority. Figure out when you can best meet with Jesus. When you are most awake, most alert, most likely to keep that appointment. And then set it on your calendar and do it no matter what. Let nothing short of a zombie apocalypse keep you from this appointment with Jesus. If our relationship with Jesus is only as good as our time with Jesus, then we must prioritize. Again, think about it in terms of a natural relationship. When Kelly and I were dating, my relationship with her was the priority. It was more important than school. It was more important than sleep. It was more important than my job at the VA. Everything else paled by comparison to meeting with and being with Kelly. Our relationship with Jesus should be that important, if not more. We should prioritize it and say, I am going to meet with him here. And nothing, Lord willing, church don't rise, nothing is going to keep me from meeting with Jesus at this time. Prioritize meeting with Jesus. Secondly, focus on connecting with Jesus. Now notice what Jesus does. He gets up early. He leaves the house and he goes away to a secluded place and there he prays. Right? Jesus wasn't seeking to check a box. If he was just checking a box, he could have just got up and stayed in the house where everybody else was. Right? But he wanted this quality time alone with God. He wanted to connect with his father. So he made a point to get to a place where nobody was. They couldn't even find him. They had to search for him in order to find him. The reason for this was so that they could not disturb him. The sounds and the things going on could not distract him. He wasn't trying to impress people with how early he got up. He wasn't trying to impress people with how often he prayed. He was about his relationship with God. And this was the focus of what he was trying to do. And so he went away to meet with Jesus. One of my biggest concerns about my relationship with Jesus, my time, is that it not become a ritual. And for me, that's a very real danger. I, I, I have my routines. I like my routines. My routines give me comfort. When I get out of my routine, I forget something. If you ever find a time where there's something wrong in the bulletin, it's because I got out of my routine filling out the bulletin, making it out. That's just the way I am. I go to bed at roughly the same time. I follow the same routine when I go to bed. I I do the same things. My schedule and my routines make me happy and keep me on track and enable me to do all the things I want to do. The danger with that, though, is that my time in prayer can be, well, this from this time to this time, I'm going to pray. And so I just sit down and I open up my prayer list and I just read the names. Da, 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 and then I'm done. I've kept my time. I've checked my box. I can move out. I can read my Bible if I'm not careful. I read through the Bible in a year. I can read a chapter, go through it, and then be like, well, I don't really remember what I read. But hey, I read it. I checked my box. It's not what I want for my life. I want them both. I want my prayer time to be a time to connect with Jesus. I want my time in the Word to be a time where He speaks to me in this time. And so this is something I think we all have to to be aware of and be alert for. Because it can happen to any of us. You may not be as structured as I try to be. You may not have the routines that I have. But any of us can fall into the routine trap with anything. You can do it talking to your kids. You can do it talking to your spouse. You can do it talking to Jesus. You can do it in any time and in any way. You can do it in church. 
How many of you know you can sing a song? If we sing a song we've sang before, and you can disconnect your mind, your mouth is still saying all the right words, but in your mind you're thinking, okay, after church is over, I'm going to go do this. It's a routine. You're not really worshiping God in that moment. You're doing a routine. Your mouths are expressing, but your heart is far from Him. And we can do that in our prayer. We can do that in our time in the Word. So we have to be careful to guard against that. Because the reality is Jesus isn't interested in religion. Religion is just checking your box. Religion is doing it to be doing it because that's what you're supposed to do. Relationship is trying to connect with Jesus, trying to grow, to know Him better, to love Him more. And, and this, this is what He wants. He doesn't want any of us to read the Bible because you're supposed to read the Bible. He wants us to read the Bible because it's precious in our sight and we want to hear from Him. He doesn't want us to pray because you're supposed to pray. He wants us to pray because we love Him and we want to connect with Him in prayer. Let me show you one of my favorite passages in the New Testament regarding this. This is Romans 5, verses 8 through 11. But God showed us great love for us, sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us by God's, or from God's judgment. So the first part here deals with salvation, right? So we're talking about being saved. So Jesus died for us because God loves us and we have been made righteous in His sight and therefore we are saved from the judgment to come. Now, all of that is, of course, the eternity. That's the future aspect of it. But what about the present? What does it do for us right now? And I use the New Living Translation because I like how it words it. For since we were restored to friendship with God by the death of His Son, while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be delivered from eternal punishment by His life. So now we rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us in making us friends of God. Now that, right there, that last part, friendship with God, wonderful new relationship, friends of God. That's meant to be normative for the Christian life. This is what it means for all of us. That's what it's supposed to mean. All of us should be able to say, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of Jesus. I have a wonderful relationship with God, with Jesus, because of what Christ has done. Remember, in the garden, Adam and Eve lived in innocence. And God came and walked with them in the cool of the day. They had a friendship with God, a relationship with God, but that was broken by sin. Sin ruptured that and put us at odds with God, made us rebels against God, made us enemies of God by our thoughts, our attitudes, and our actions. Jesus came to bring an end to that enmity and restore us, reconcile us to the friendship with God we were supposed to have. When God made humanity and put them in the garden, the goal was we would always be the friends of God. We would always have a relationship with God. But that was broken because of Adam and Eve's sin. We carried it on and broke it through our sin. But Jesus came and He put an end to that enmity and He reconciled us to God. So now we can and we should have a love-based relationship with God. So the question is, do you? Can you describe what you have with Jesus as a wonderful relationship? Can you say, Jesus is my friend? I mean, I, I know Him. Not I know about Him. Not I know facts about Him. But I know Jesus. 
We should. We should all, if we are saying, I am a born again disciple of Jesus. We should all say, I'm a friend of God. I have a wonderful relationship with God. I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of Jesus. I have a wonderful relationship with Jesus. I am a friend of Jesus. Now, people have asked me, how long should they spend in this time when they're trying to connect? I I don't think there is a particular amount of time. And and here's what I say. If we say, I'm going to pray for X amount of time, then that that becomes routine because here's what will happen. One, let's say I say 30 minutes. I'm going to pray for 30 minutes. If I finish early, I'm going to try to find a way to extend it to that 30 minutes. It's not really meaningful. I'm just saying things to try to make sure I put my 30 minutes in. Or I could come to the end of my 30 minutes and I, I mean, I'm connected and I need more. But hey, it's 30 minutes. I check my box. I'm cutting it off and I'm moving. Jesus is saying, stay, linger with me a little bit longer. But no, I've put in my 30 minutes. It's time to move on. I can do the same with reading the Bible. Again, I, I do have... I read through the Bible in a year, so I have probably four or five chapters a day I read. But I have the liberty of being able to take the time I need for that. I have the ability to say, if it's going to take me an hour in a passage, I I can do that. Um, Maybe you can't. And so to say, well, I'm going to have to read four chapters a day may not be the right thing to do. Maybe you're a person and what needs to do is you just linger in one chapter for my brother when he does his devotions. He tends to read one chapter for weeks and weeks on end, just taking things and pulling things and learning from that one chapter over and over again. If that's how you're wired, then that's how you ought to do it. The the amount of time we spend is not nearly as important as the fact we're making the connection with Jesus, that we're growing closer to Him. If I can make that connection in 30 minutes, 30 minutes is wonderful. If it takes me an hour to make that connection, then it needs to be an hour. But I can't say... It's only going to be at this amount of time or it always has to be this amount of time. Rather than focusing on a specific amount of time, focus on connecting with Jesus, making a genuine connection where you know you have been with him. He has heard your voice. He has talked to you through the word and you have met with Jesus. We cultivate our relationship with Jesus through our time with Jesus. And so we have to focus on connecting with Jesus. But then thirdly, listen for leading from Jesus. Now, the night before, verse 32, Jesus has healed the sick. He's cast out demons. He has done all measure of things. Very successful ministry here in Capernaum. The the expectation would be he's going to stay and do it some more. That's even what Peter says. Peter says, everyone is looking for you. Why were they looking for him? Well, there were more sick to be healed, more demon-possessed people to be set free. So the expectation was Jesus would stay here and continue to do what he had been doing. But notice what Jesus said. Let's go somewhere else to the towns nearby that I may preach there. This is why I came. Now, given the success of his the night before, it would have made sense, at least in the natural, to stay another day. These people had legitimate needs. They, I mean, this wasn't a fake thing. They really were sick. They really had issues, and only Jesus could help them. But after his time with the Father, Jesus got word. It was time to go to a different town. That's why he came. 
He came to preach the gospel and all of the region are out there. And so he heard, he went and he did. Jesus said in other places, he he only said what he heard the father say. He only did what he saw the father do. Jesus's connection with God, his time with the father is what where he led. He went when God told him to go. He stayed when God told him to stay. I think it would be very similar to what you see in the Exodus. Right in the Exodus, they were led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And then when it would stop, they stopped. And if they stopped for a day, they stopped for a day. If they stopped for a month, they stopped for a month. And when it rose to move, they rose up to move. They moved when God moved. They stayed when God stayed. This is similar to what Jesus did. He, he went where the Father told him to go and he went when the Father told him to go there. He did nothing apart from that. And this is why he spent quality time praying, spending that time with the Father so that he could hear when it was time to move on. Jesus always spent time with God before the big night, before the big events in his life. Before he chose 12 followers to call apostles, he stayed up all night praying to God for wisdom about which followers to choose. Before he was arrested and crucified, he spent the night in prayer. When big things came into Jesus' life, he didn't have to stop and immediately pray. He had already been praying. He had already spent time with God. He had already been listening to his father's voice and he knew how to follow his father's will. I'm convinced Jesus wants to guide us just as his father guided him. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. I love this verse for several reasons. Obviously, we hear his voice, he knows us, and we follow him. But the key part for I want us to see is who hears his voice? Who's able to follow him? Apostles? Prophets? Pastors? Deacons? Missionaries? That's not what it says, is it? My sheep. Sheep are like the very, that's just like your average, ordinary Christian. If you have repented of your sins and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and you've been born again, You're his sheep. Therefore, you can hear his voice. He knows you. And you can follow him. But how how will we know his voice if we don't spend time with him? How will we know when it's him leading us if we don't spend time with him? Somebody could tell me something. Kelly said this. And I will typically have a pretty good idea if Kelly actually said it or if they're just making something up because I know her voice. I know what she sounds like. I know how she talks. I know the words she uses. I know how she communicates. If someone asks me, hey, would Kelly do this? One, this is a a tip for all you young married guys. Never say yes. Never volunteer your wife for anything. But... When I'm asked, would Kelly do this, in the back of my mind, I typically know. Yes, she will. No, she won't. I don't answer. But I know. Why? Because I know her. In a similar way. But I know her because I've spent time with her. Right? I've spent time with her. Not just we've been married and we've all lived in different parts of the house and we haven't talked. But we spend quality time talking. Just visiting multiple times a week. Turn the TV off, turn the phones off, and we just talk to one another. So I know her voice. I know what would be her, what she might do, what she won't do. 
Time with Jesus lets us know his voice in that way as well. An opportunity arises. I've already spent time with Jesus. I can tell this this is something Jesus might want me to do. This is not something Jesus would want me to do. I know when an idea comes into my head, go do this. I have an idea. I know him. So I can know that that is Jesus leading me or that was just a too much pepperoni pizza the night before. Right? I, I know him. I know his voice. And I can follow him wherever he would lead me to go. This, this is what he wants for all of us because we are all his sheep. But to know his voice in this way, we have to spend time with him. We, we have to, to pray to attune our hearts to Him. But we have to read the Word. Jesus, I mean, there's any number of things Jesus has already spoken about. I mean, there, there are many things someone can say, would you do this? I don't have to spend a second praying because Jesus has already said, you shall not do that. I could say, absolutely not. That is not Jesus. Right? If we don't know Him, we can't hear His voice properly. We have to spend this time with him. It's important for us to understand Jesus wants to be heard. He wants to lead us in our lives. Psalm 32 talks about God leading us along the best path for our lives. He doesn't want to lead us along the best path for our lives and then leave us in the dark and say, just go and see what happens. Oh, that wasn't it. Gotcha. It's not what he does. He wants to lead us. He is, I think he's always speaking, always guiding, always leading. The problem is we don't know his voice. God speaks, some translations say, in many ways, but no one notices it. Right? The problem isn't Jesus isn't speaking and leading and guiding. The problem is we don't know his voice well. We grow hard of hearing when we are distant from him. We grow hard of hearing when we're not spending the time with Him that we need to. One of the things I, I pray daily is to surrender my ears to hear. Jesus, in fact, we'll look at it in a few chapters. Jesus said, let he who has ears to hear, hear. <coughs> Revelation, it says, let he who has ears hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now, if the Bible is real, as we talked about earlier, then that means something. That's not just a snazzy saying. That really means something. If the Bible is real, then, then that means something. That's not just a, like a, something you put on a mug and it looks cool. It really means something. Well, if Jesus speaks, if the Spirit speaks, well, I want to hear. I want to have ears to hear. Hearing and following Jesus is meant to be a normative part of our lives because the sheep hear. Again, not the apostles. Not the prophets. Not those who are super evangelists. The sheep. It's meant to be normative for Jesus to lead us, to speak to us, to guide us in our lives. But we have to spend time with Him to know His voice. The leading of Jesus flows out of our relationship with Jesus. It flows out of our time with Jesus. And then finally, go and serve Jesus. Jesus knew what He came to do. And so He left and he went to their synagogues preaching throughout Galilee and casting out demons. He went and he did what the Father was leading him to do. He went and he served his Father doing the things that he wanted to do. But what he did in verse 39 and, and everything else he does is an overflow of what started in verse 35. He got up early. 
He went away from the crowds and he spent time with his father. From there, he connected with his father. He heard from his father and he went and did what his father wanted. This is what it is for us as well. This is the, the basic flow of how it goes. We should spend time with Jesus. And as we spend time with Jesus, we connect with him. And in this connection, he he leads us. And he tells us what to do. And then after he's told us what to do, we get up and we go do it. We get up and we go serve him in the ways that he has told us to do. Now, one of the truths about spending time with Jesus, we learn from this, is that spending time with Jesus is more than praying, studying the Bible and come to church. And to be sure, those are important. Make no mistake, those, those things matter. We need to be in the Bible on our own. We need to be in church where the Bible's taught. We need to be spending time praying. But it's not just that. Going and serving Jesus is just as much a part of being with Jesus as those other things are. Let, let me show you this. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. They're the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. Right? The, the Great Commission. We're familiar with all of that. But notice this part. I am with you always. Now, of course, Jesus is with us always. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. That's a great promise. But the promise here is connected with going, isn't it? This isn't a, a promise of He's always with us. This is as you go... Go with you. I'm there in that moment. As you go and serve me, I go with you and and help you, empower you, strengthen you, and guide you. Jesus is always with us. I don't want to imply that he's not. But there are experiences of his presence we miss if we don't go and serve. There are experiences of the presence of Jesus in our life we will never have if we do not go and do the things he is leading us to do. Our time with Jesus should prompt service to Jesus. Not again, we're not I'm not talking check the box. I'm saying I love Jesus and I've spent time with him and, and he has laid this on my heart to do this and because I love Jesus I want to do what Jesus wants me to do. And as I go to do what he wants me to do, he goes with me. And there is some experience of his presence I'll have there that I would miss out on if I didn't go and do what he told me to do. A second truth flowing out of this is our time with Jesus. Again, it flows or our service to Jesus flows out of our time with Jesus. I desperately want Jesus to work through me to accomplish his will on earth. I want him to work through me to save the lost Restore prodigals, set captives free, open spiritually blind eyes, and raise the spiritually dead to new life in Christ. The reality is I can't do those things on my own. No matter how much effort I put in, how earnest I am, on my own, I cannot save a soul, change a life. Gosh, the reality is I can't even bring on lasting change in my own life. But through Jesus, I can do all of these things. I have been amazed at what Jesus can and will do in me and through me and for me. If we want to live lives that, that matter, lives that, that make an impact on the world around us, lives that make an eternal difference in someone else's life, 
then we must ensure our relationship with Jesus is as it should because we cannot do what needs to be done apart from Jesus. Without his help, without his empowering, we cannot do anything that needs to be done. But through Jesus, we can do amazing things. Or he can do amazing things, I guess, through us. I love this verse. We talk about it often. That he's able to do far more abundantly beyond all we ask or think. Typically, that's where we stop. And we use this as an inspiration to pray, which we should. King James says he can do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or imagine. That's pretty big stuff. So we pray big because of what he can do. But notice the last part of the verse. According to the power that works within us. The exceeding abundant power of God to work in the world is already within us as disciples of Jesus. The Spirit of the living God, one third of the Trinity, dwells within us, fills us, and empowers us. Through the Spirit, through God's enabling, that power is already there for us to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or imagine. It's not, it's not us. You and I on our own cannot do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or imagine. But you and I through Jesus, you and I through the Spirit, you and I through the Father, we can do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or imagine. And again, I would say, I tend to think this is meant to be somewhat normative. God working in us and through us and for us to accomplish His will on the earth is not for apostles and prophets. It is for the born-again disciples of Jesus, all of us. God intends to work through all of us to accomplish His will in the world. But we, again, we have to remind, remember it's all about Jesus. Remain in me, He says, and I in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself but must remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. There's the key. God intends to bear much fruit through our lives. God intends to do many things in us and through us and for us. But we have to remain in Jesus. We have to abide in Jesus. We have to keep our relationship with Jesus close, intimate, fervent, passionate. Because apart from me... Apart from Him, we cannot do anything. Time with Jesus empowers us and enables us. Time apart from Jesus weakens us and hinders us in what we try to do for Jesus. Things Jesus wants to accomplish through us cannot be done by our own strength, our own cleverness, our own natural abilities. Instead, we must have His strength, His power, His Spirit. And we won't have those things. If we are not spending the time with Jesus, we need to spend. What we've talked about this morning, prioritizing our time with Jesus, focusing on connecting with Jesus, listening for leading from Jesus and going and serving Jesus. These are the most important issues about our time with Jesus. So often we focus on extraneous things that aren't that important. Should I kneel when I pray? Do I do it in the morning or the evening? Where should I be when I spend my time with Jesus? How much should I read? My honest answer is, I don't know. Depends on what works for you. 
I mean, one of the things about a relationship is they're they're unique, right? I mean, wouldn't you say your marriage in some ways is different than other people's marriage? Now, obviously, there are some things that are the same. But there are unique aspects to your marriage that work. They make your marriage strong, but other people are like, I just can't. Well, that's not something I would, I couldn't do that. But for your marriage, it makes it strong. You know why it's that way? Because you have a unique relationship with your spouse. You two together know what makes your marriage strong and what makes it work. A relationship with Jesus is like that. Yes, there are some common things. Prayer, Bible, church, service. Those are common to all. How much do we pray? When do we pray? What's our position when we pray? Most of my life I I prayed kneeling. And then I hurt my knee and couldn't bend my knee. It's hard to pray when you can't bend your knee. Hard to kneel to pray. So I learned to sit down and pray. Determined now, I kind of like sitting down, drinking my coffee, reading my Bible, and praying. And guess what? It doesn't hinder my prayers. Jesus isn't going, you're not kneeling, it doesn't count. Right? All of those things are things we work out on our own. We work out with Jesus how it should be. If you're a morning person, get up in the morning. Have coffee with Jesus. If you drool in the mornings until about 10, don't do it in the mornings. If you're an evening person, wait till everybody's gone to bed. Turn off your TV and late in the night you have your time with Jesus. If the time when you're best is at your lunch break and you come home and nobody else is there and you can spend that time, you spend that time with Jesus. If it's mid-morning, late afternoon, it doesn't matter. The time doesn't matter. It's what works for you. Experiment. With these things. See how you can best connect with Jesus. One of the worst mistakes you can ever make is to try to fit your relationship with Jesus into the box of somebody else's relationship with Jesus. I could give you some ideas about what I do, but it may not work for you. I mean, people do things differently, and that is okay. Find how you connect with Jesus. Find how you can prioritize your time with Jesus. Find how you best listen to Jesus. Find what you need to do to best serve Jesus. And then do it that way. And don't let anybody but Jesus tell you to do it a different way. So the question I want to end with is, how is your relationship with Jesus this morning? Now, some can honestly say it's better than it's ever been. And I I agree. I I would absolutely believe you. And I would say, praise the Lord. Keep it up. But others would have to be honest and say it's not what it should be. Maybe it's not what it has been in the past. Maybe you look at what we've talked about this morning and you think it's not that. So if it's not, the question, the next question is, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to be content in your relationship as it is? Or are you going to do what is necessary to grow in your relationship with Jesus? All of us can have a legitimate, close, intimate, powerful relationship with Jesus. It's not, no one has a better relationship with Jesus because they're better than us. Or because God loves them more. Even in the passage I read at the beginning for our our prayer focus, who have the same kind of faith we have. Billy Graham didn't have a 
different kind of faith in Jesus than you and I have? Mother Teresa didn't have a different kind of faith in Jesus than you and I have. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, didn't have a different kind of faith in Jesus than you and I have. If their relationships with Jesus were better than ours, it's because they stewarded it better. So the question is, are we satisfied where we are? Do we want more? Do we want deeper? Do we want closer? Do we want to be have ears to hear more consistently? And if you say, yes, I do, then what are you going to do to improve your time with Jesus so your relationship with Jesus can be all that it's supposed to be? Because it does require effort. And, and again, I know a lot of us, well, it shouldn't. But does anything in life not require effort? Did your relationship with your spouse when you were dating, did that require effort? Does a relationship with your children require effort? Does a relationship with a friend require effort? Is any relationship anywhere that's a good relationship not require effort? Well, no, of course they all do. Well, if these relationships require effort, why wouldn't the relationship with Jesus require effort? And why wouldn't we be willing to put in the kind of effort to Jesus that we would put in for a human? Now, of course, the relationship with Jesus begins by recognizing Him as the Son of God. Repenting of our sins and embracing Him as Savior and Lord. This is the beginning. There is no relationship apart from recognizing He is the Son of God and repenting of our sins and believing on Him as our Savior and Lord. That, that's the basis of everything. So if you have never repented and you have never called on Him to save you, this is where you have to start. Everything rises and falls on that. There is no relationship with Jesus apart from that. So what do you need to do today? What do I need today? What do we need to do today? Do you need to start your relationship with Jesus by saying, you know what, He is the Son of God. I repent of my sins. I'm going to believe on Him. And I'm going to follow Him. That's the beginning. Maybe what you need to do is say, you know what, I, my relationship with Jesus is wonderful. I just need this encouragement to keep on and keep on. Or maybe you would say, my relationship is not as it should be. What are two or three practical steps you're going to take to improve your time with Jesus? I can't answer that. That's your decision. All of these are individual decisions. Only you know if you need to repent and believe. And only you can repent and believe. Only you know if your relationship is better than it has been. And only you can keep going in that direction. Only you know what steps need to be taken to improve it. And only you can take those steps. Let's stand.